And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news. This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Hello, my friends. This is Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 277 of This Old Marketing, recorded on Thursday, June 24th, 2021. And with me, as always, my good friend, my colleague, and a guy who's probably not going to be the next John McAfee, Mr. Joe Polizzi. How are you? <laughs> you, you said that whole opening very sedated, like more yeah, than normal. Well, it was, um, I'm trying for uh, a little bit of a uh, hi, that uh, hello and welcome to the show. Is, you, so yeah, you're purposely was... going in this direction for the, yeah, the I, like I, you know, Walter it's, Cronkite effect? I, you know, I want to make sure that I'm not always sort of coming across as like over the top, like, hi, welcome to hello. this old marketing. <laughs> hello, welcome to this episode of this old marketing. Exactly. I like that. Exactly. Though. I'm sure. Our, see, yeah. I'm sure our listeners just love that I did that. They're like, Ouch, yeah. My see, ears. we just we just ruined it. We, we just ruined the quiet NPR opening for uh, the Joe Rogan opening. So you know, it's uh, it's it's you know, trying for a little bit of shake it up here, be a little different. You no, know, you said uh, you said June twenty fourth, which is today, and I believe that somebody has a birthday coming up. Is this Correct. Do I have the correct information? You do have the correct information. My birthday would be Monday. Yes, that is that is correct. This is very exciting. It is. It is relatively exciting. Yes, it's, it is actually a five or a zero. So, um, and uh, it's a five to be to be clear. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to. I will not be celebrating. I mean, I will be celebrating a little bit on Monday, but I'll mostly be celebrating as I normally do when my birthday falls in the middle of the week, the following weekend with the uh, 4th of July weekend, because yes. I just sort of take a bit of a extended weekend. And how are, how will you be celebrating? Are you looking I will, at uh, I will be, assisted living facilities? Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, that, that was bad. That was just bad form altogether. But yes. they do have three squares I, a day. So there's, there's they that. do they they do they do I they, they do uh, uh, offer that and, <laughs> you know uh, the, the, well here's the thing I got a note uh, this was not it was a couple of weeks ago I got a note from one of those places um, which is north of here uh, it's actually just up where we go a lot which is a place called Santa Barbara. Um, and we spend a good amount of time up there on weekends and stuff like that at the beach. And it's up there and it is a place where it's, it's really nice. It's one of those really nice sort of assisted living places. And I did get a note from them saying, by the way, you need to make your reservation now, um, you know, for 10, basically your 10 year, um, uh, retirement date is when you want to make your reservations for this place because it's so popular. Seriously, and I was just they actually it, it say, me... save the date type of a thing in ten yeah, years you're going to be abs- in the joint. Here? Yes, they do. They just remind you that if you want a place in this, you know that the waiting list is about ten years long. So you want to get it in. You want to get so that you're so that you're ready, so that you're prepared, and you have peace of mind knowing. And it's just all of those sort of terms, you know, when you. You know, by the way, folks, I'm 55. I'm not like I'm turning like 90 or something. So let's just be really clear 
Um, <laughs> um, so they, you know, they. I don't they, think they discriminate. I don't think they would discriminate. I think they would take you if you're paying. They would take you at fifty five. By the way, you. No, would no, be no. Great. They don't. No, no. You have to wait. No, it's crowded. That's the thing. It's it's the it's the it's the how full the joint is. I no no. I understand that. But my question is, they don't discriminate by age. Like if you wanted to go in at fifty five and you made the cut, like like you would get in. Correct. You don't have, do you have uh, yes, to Yes, theoretically, I think the I think theoretically that's true. Although in in reality, they don't have to. They they're this place is one of those places where, quite simply, they don't have to do the marketing. Is literally sure. There's you know this place is it's like it's a little bit like In and Out. Is it? <laughs> it's like an In and Out burger, right? You know they don't really have to market themselves. All they need to do is show you how long the line is, and you go, "Oh, I got to eat there." Well, right? yeah, well they have. So, I mean, they probably you know, have really good chili or chicken yeah, they, soup. <laughs> I think that's probably why, right? And who doesn't want to have have chili for lunch? That's true. It is. It, it's no. a. It's a really. It's a really yeah, good so, point. So <laughs> but if you were in a jo- in a place like that, I call. I keep calling it at a joint. <laughs> I don't know. Why. Yeah. But if you were at a place like that, you would be highly entertaining. They probably would want you to come in because you could talk with everybody and, and you know, you, you could play your keyboard, sing a little bit. We could do a, you could do your podcast from the atrium. Let's be really clear about this, folks. I'm going nowhere soon. <laughs> I am not going anywhere. I, you know, and I don't really have an interest in going to any of those places. If, if I'm walking into one of those places, it's because, you know, <laughs> you know, you, I need to be in one of those places. So uh, I, I, I'm not planning that for many, many, yeah, and, many, and, and many, by the many way, years. I don't know why I brought all this up. So I don't want to bring bring your birthday down because thank I'm you. Very, yeah, yes. it's, it's it's been it's been such an it uplifting. Be, yeah, part this is a grand so occasion, especially the big five five. That's a, that is something else. I mean, you're you know you're five years past when you can join AARP. So this is uh, yes, thank you very much for that as well. <laughs> this is great news. Yeah, it's all good. How are you going to treat? Are it's you going to buy good. yourself something? Oh my god! Um, yeah, I'm thinking about a Corvette. <laughs> no, I'm not thinking about a Corvette. Let um, your long hair. I'm not having any. You know, go in yeah, the breeze I'm, with the top I'm, down. Uh, yeah, it'd be like a yeah, yeah. It'd be like a poison. I, you know, song. here's the funny thing. When I, I will say this. I I don't, you know, I mean, and much of it is because I'm blessed to not really be in need of much uh, in my life. But I'm finding as I, each birthday that passes, I I need less and less, right? I, you know, all I want to do is, quite frankly, have a lovely day, have a nice meal, and sort of, you know, just just chill, right? I'm not, I'm not, these days... I'm not looking for a lot of presents. That's the, you know what I mean? And so it's funny because people, oh, what do you want for your birthday? And I'm like, I, you know, I, I'd much rather be surprised with stuff these days than I do have a want for anything. I think that's true with anyone that gets beyond, let's say, 40 years old. I think that's yeah. just it. What, let's, what I mean, you, yeah. You know, what are you going to do? But I, yeah. But you would look great in a Corvette. And I would not. I would not look great in a Corvette. Would it be red or yellow? I don't. I don't. Well, if it was going to be any color, it would be red. But but um, it, yeah, not not a Corvette. I'm not a Corvette guy. What are you? I'm not a Corvette guy. I'm well. I'm not a car guy, as people who know me know. I I, I dislike cars immensely. I I I don't even have a car. Um, you know, my my wife has a car, 
and she drives me when I need to go someplace. That's nice. But, you have yeah. a driver. This yeah, is all I coming do. clear to our, this is to all, our yeah, listeners yeah. now. <laughs> he basically, driving, he just, I'm, he wakes I'm up. Basically, I'm driving Miss Daisy. Yes, I am Miss Daisy. Well, in you this wake whole up, thing. you just want a quiet day. You want no surprises. <laughs> somebody drive you, me somebody, around. If you have to go somewhere, if you have to go to the pharmacy or something like that, you have a driver that will take care of that. You usually have a drink toward the end of the day. It tends to be tequila. <laughs> You know, I I have dinner at four p.m. Oh yeah, my I'm, god! <laughs> you, you you I mean you don't have to go to an assisted living facility. I uh, know I'm already in an assisted living. Your yeah, house. I'm already in one. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome. Yeah. Anyway, so that's well, that's good. I hope you have a a, a great birthday. Oh, thank you very I just, much. Uh, I'm looking forward to yeah, it. I just celebrate. I'm I'm not quite to fifty yet, but I'm getting awfully close. I just celebrated mine last month, so. Yes, I know. Catching up to you, at least on a percentage basis. <laughs> that, that is that, true. That is true. Yes, it it's gets get, a little that, bit. That narrows the gap, yeah, each and every year. Yeah, because once you, once you pretty much get <laughs> over 50, 60 years old, it's, it doesn't matter anymore. It's, it's all the same, right? That's true. Yeah, yeah. And anyways, I'm sure we've lost all of our listeners at this point. No, yeah, they've, 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 like, all, they've all turned off going, birthday? What the hell? Well, we're very yeah. excited to announce our new show on aging and the aging process. <laughs> and we are going to do weekly Joe and Robert shows, talk yes. about the Blue Plate special. Yes. Weekly shows. Hello. So we're going to do it from an atri- <laughs> a, a different atrium of a, of, a, of a different facility each week so that we can talk directly to our audience. <laughs> Right. Oh yes, what do, we, there it what do is. we have going on this week? We got some news yeah, this week that. to talk about. Let's uh, let's keep me young, and let's talk about the news. So the first uh, story that we'll explore here uh, is about the creator economy. Somebody I know and love is uh, caring a lot about that these days. This uh, article comes to us courtesy of The Information. Um, seems like they're making a lot of news these days, The Information. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, the article uh, headline is Investments in the Creator Economy Startup. Uh, ecosystem hits $2 billion, an interview with homebrews Hunter Walk. The article opens up by saying, the deals and debut section of his newsletter is always hopping, and that's starting to show up in the numbers. Investors have poured at least $2 billion into U.S.-based creator economy startups so far this year, according to data compiled by the information. For the full list of VC-backed startups, tune in next week when we launch our creator economy database. That sounds exciting. Uh, <laughs> ahead of them. Can't wait. Yeah. I talked to Hunter Walk, a partner at seed stage venture capital firm Homebrew, about why investors seem to have suddenly woken up to the sector. Uh, uh, Walk attributes some of the influx to a new generation of investors who grew up on Tumblr and YouTube and understand startups serving internet celebrities can get big. As uh, Walk said, part of ventures trying to figure out as a young venture capitalist where you have a competitive advantage against people who have been investing for 5, 10, 15, 20 years, Walk said. News cycles that have potential also gain momentum when you have new investors who need new areas to write checks into. If they choose wisely, then they have pioneered a new era. And then basically the article goes on to... Oh, ostensibly just say the same thing over and over again, which is ostensibly that uh, they buy low and sell high, and it's a really good time for content creators. What say you, Joe Pulitzi? Have anything to add to this wonderful <laughs> news? Get a, a couple things. Yeah. I think it's yeah. weird that the information says 
it's at least two billion dollars in the creator economy uh, for startups. But we're not going to tell you the data, how we got to the data right now. We're going to save it for a, yeah. for next week. I'm like, what? Yeah. Is this? Right. Stay tuned. It's like in between. Stay tuned for the next episode. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, right right after the uh, next episode of Cheers, you know, Norm falls right. down. It, they don't call their, yeah. they don't call his name this week. You know, whatever <laughs> right. it is. Um, I think that no one has an idea of how big this industry is or is going to be. And I think that's where, what, as I've been learning more about, and I hate the term creator economy, but I have to use it. Yeah. I don't like it because the creator economy doesn't. Funny how the tables have turned on that I one. Know. The creator economy doesn't just include content creators. It includes other creators like on Etsy and eBay and things like that. And right. I and we've talked about it on the show. The content creator business model is different from if you're making puppets. I don't even know why I came up with that. But I think <laughs> <laughs> I think it is different. Here's the thing. This is just the tip of the iceberg. This this industry is because for whatever reason in the last year and a half you've had venture capital capitalists You've had uh, high big tech companies that have realized that they can make money with content creators who are not just doing a side gig anymore or a side hustle, as, uh, as maybe Gary Vaynerchuk will call it. They're actually building businesses. And that's what what's interesting. And these businesses, oh, they can spend money. And they will spend money, and they are spending money. And where what I'm... the. The data point that I would like to get to, and I haven't figured out a way to do it, maybe you know, Robert, is I'm trying to figure out how you can tell the number, if you say that the United States has, you've had X number of businesses started in America in the last 12 months, how can you show the number of those businesses that are content entrepreneurs? You can't. I, I can't figure out a way to do it right now. But I think that that's kind of what we're striving toward because I believe nobody thought that the YouTubers of the world or the Twitch streamers or whatever would be able to be self-sufficient, not even that, but to start hiring people and to start buying marketing services and data services and advertising services and really be the, um, you know, this, this content creator, content entrepreneur is, really, is the one driving this entire creator economy. So, yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I think there is a way to get there. Um, it would be a lot of work. Um, you know, this is this is always one of the biggest challenges of uh, any marketer, which is figuring out your TAM, your total addressable market. And, you know, I don't think there's any way to, you know, and, and, and to be clear, you know, TAM, estimating your TAM um, is always going to be a imprecise measurement sure. um, and, and it's always going to be an order of magnitude that you're shooting for not a not a precise number which is why always that numbers like two billion and you know market sizing like this are always a little suspect because they're making it up right they're they're as much as anybody oh is yeah remember remember the content marketing yeah. I, I forgot oh. that one organization that said the content marketing industry is going to be 42 billion by whatever it was right and right. we're like how did you get like, that 
Right. That's exactly right. And and so, you know, we used to complain all the time about trying to estimate the content marketing industry by saying, you know, even the content marketing technology industry, right? They, people used to say, oh, it's going to be $8 billion. It's like, how? How are you estimating that? Are you looking at just enterprise products? Are you looking at, you know, Microsoft Word is ostensibly a content marketing creation tool. Are you including that in there? And then we have to include all the revenue of Microsoft, you know, so uh, all of those things become estimates for sure. There's a way you could do it. I mean, you could probably start to look at, you know, the total number of uh, blogs, podcasts, YouTube channels, et cetera, then separate out the numbers that are getting created by businesses versus individuals um, and get to some number of, you know, it would be a astronomically large number. Um, and, and then you take that and you go, okay, great. You apply some filter to it. Like those that, you know, um, are looking to make money at it, which by the way, research that you're conducting right now is starting to look at some mm-hmm. of those things. Yep. Um, and so you get to a number, right? And that would get you to a, 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 a number. And, and to your point, you know, the information next week will tell us how they got to their number. Um, you know, I, I think what they're looking at is going to be um, how many are getting money, right? You know, they're looking at how many are actually taking venture money and how much venture money. That number is easily tracked. That, that number you can actually Correct. track with some precision, but I mean, that's the like you say, that's the tip of the iceberg. The number of people who are doing this without taking venture money, you know, I would hazard a guess. This is a hypothesis. I, I have no data to support this. That actually, in the creator economy, there will be a much higher weighted uh, uh, success rate for those who don't take money versus those who do. Um, you're talking about I'll, the I'll, creators I'll, themselves, not you're not talking correct. about software because the software. Because really, what this article is talking about, I think, is the software side of it, not not the creators That's right. themselves. Okay. That's right. But all of them. Uh, but but here's the thing: every single one of those pitch decks for the software has a number in it, has a market sizing number in it. I guarantee you. I'll bet you they all disagree. Sure. Right. They're all you know. They're all using you know numbers they're either getting from you. Or, or somebody else off the street who's sort of said, it's going to be a $10 billion industry. So they're all, all those pitch decks where they're getting multi-millions of dollars to fund their software business is all predicated on some slide in their deck saying, here's the market sizing for, you know, for, for, uh, for, know, for this Remember when, uh, when we came out with the content marketing research and we said, you know, we're, we're guesstimating that between, I think it was 26% and 30% of the total marketing budget went to content marketing activities. That thing yep. was in every pitch deck for five years after that number. That's right. And they always use that number. Like we never really right. updated it at all because. Well, I will tell you, it's, it's, a, it's a, it, from the other people who have now done research into that, that number has remained relatively stable. Yep. Right. You know, I mean, there are a few outliers there that say it's more or a lot less, but most of the research that's been done in the content marketing space finds that that's of your marketing budget somewhere between 20 and 30 percent of it is going to be spent on content, content marketing. Now, how you define content marketing in there, eh, you know, it's it's it, it, it gets to anybody's sort of you know interpretation. But but generally speaking, my experience is that if you look at that 20 to 30%, it's content. 
it's it, it it is it is a content budget, not a content marketing budget. So, you know, it, it now you can argue that a lot of what we're doing with content is more often than not, you know, thought of as content marketing. So there you go. But how much of it is actually spent on owned media properties that, you know, are built to design an audience to, you know, blah, 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 as we would define it. It's probably something less. Yeah. Than and that. it's, it's so hard to tell because if you, for example, you know, I just did a podcast interview with it where we were talking about budget. And I said, if you're starting out to build an audience, you probably, if you're looking at time and budget, about 30% goes to content creation, about 70% should go to marketing and promoting and distributing that content especially when you're trying to build an audience, because if you spend 100% of your time on the creation, there's nothing left to market. Like, what are you, what are you doing here? And I think if you looked at a budget and you said, oh, we were paying for social ads, we're playing for influencer budget, we're playing, paying for this uh, distribution outlet, but those are marketing the content. Does that go under your content marketing budget? Well, it should, but right. it might not. It might go under advertising. It might go under, go under social ads. It might go under... PR for influencer stuff. So that's you really, right. it's almost impossible with how brands set up their budgets today to know, unless you're pulling oh, yeah. a direct well, and, advertising. And, and by the way, always has yes, been. It's never going to be. Always yeah. has been. My favorite, my favorite uh, story about this, I tell this story all the time. So forgive me if I've told it here before, but the, there's a, there's a wonderful book. Um, that introduced from the 1950s, or it's a 1953, I think the book was written, and uh, uh, and I'm blanking on the author's name right now, but he's the guy who basically invented the four P's: product, place, price, and promotion. And it's the book that he introduces the idea of the four P's in that book. And the the opening chapter of that book, the very first words that the author writes is basically, "I have to start with an apology." He basically says. We spent years talking with companies, talking with CEOs, talking with all these companies, trying to figure out how they actually manage and measure their marketing budget, and we've not found a way to divide it up. <laughs> we've so oh my gosh. we're yeah. just gonna we're just gonna start with saying it remains a mystery, but we hope that the rest of the book is valuable to you nonetheless. <laughs> I just it's my favorite thing. I love it because it's like Ah, you know, it's so refreshing to go, yeah, they didn't have it figured out back then either. That's <laughs> so just, That's so funny. I, guess, I yeah. guess to to wrap up this conversation here about uh, the information and their $2 billion number, do you think that it, is it is it because big tech companies like Amazon and Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn are so focused on this as a future revenue line that now everyone is paying attention to it? Doesn't that have a lot to do with it? I mean, they're just, it seems like every week they're talking about. Is it hyped up? You mean, is it, is it, is it, is it, uh, is it a bubble? Is it hyped up? Yes. It's absolutely all of those things. Is it overvalued? Probably. Is it, uh, is it a real thing? Yeah, absolutely. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. This is, this is, you know, I, it, it almost doesn't matter that it's 2 billion. The numbers are, the numbers numbers do not matter. What, what, what this article basically says is it's a thing and people are doing it. And so you should probably 
try doing the thing. You know, as he says very plainly in the article, you know, I mean, tries to make it sound like it's a it's a big mystery. You know, venture capitalists are trying to find early markets where they can buy in low and basically make a lot of money. Shock, that's what venture capitalists do. And so identifying this as a trend is not terribly difficult. The difficult part is going to be picking the winners and losers in this, and whether that ends up being the lion's share of a $2 billion market or the very small part of a 5 or $10 billion market, doesn't matter. It'll, it'll all come out in the end, right? So it's, it's just an over, it's just basically saying, hey, it's something you need to pay attention to, and the rest will play itself out. But it's out. so interesting to me when you think about how important the art and the process is for building an audience because you know we talked about it all the time everyone's a media company right everyone's a publisher today well literally that's as true as it could ever be and you have every company and every almost every individual out there creating some form of content today so you're like well funny you should mention yes. that <laughs> did i do a segue I mean- this episode of this old marketing is sponsored by marcom gather You know, there's nothing worse than wasting countless hours looking for digital files on your intranet, shared drive, desktop, cloud storage, or Excel files. The list goes on, right? Say goodbye to the days of overflowing, unorganized file storage, and hello to finding files with speed and clarity. Marcom Gather, your new favorite digital asset management solution, empowers your team to stay organized so you can get back to the parts of your job you enjoy. With Marcom Gather, you can quickly centralize assets, eliminate unorganized file storage, and best of all, never lose track of your files again. Experience Marcom Gather for free for 30 days at marcom.com slash T-O-M, that's for this old marketing, and make sure you go there because we want them to love us, marcom.com slash T-O-M, and get Marcom Gather free for 30 days. You did a segue, my friend. You good boy. (laughs) Good boy. Good boy. You did a segue. Yes, our next next story uh, is exactly that. We're going to pair... really three stories together that came out this week. It seems like it's in the air uh, for the first part of summer here. The first one we will link to uh, comes to us courtesy of CNBC and the headline, um, so it's mainstream news here, uh, and the headline is (laughs) why big companies like, (laughs) yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, when you hear the headline, you're going to go, wow, they actually covered it. Um, You know, next thing we'll know, we'll have Kramer covering it. Um, why big companies like DoorDash, 3M, and HP are making films. Uh, the article opens up by saying, uh, on Monday at New York's Swanky Standard Hotel, about 100 people sat around picnic tables and munched on small bags of popcorn. Why do they always feel like they got to open stories like that? Uh. All right. They munched on small bags of popcorn for the screening of a short film about restaurants in the city during the pandemic, including those that had been forced to close their locations. The film, made by DoorDash, one of a number of film screenings in recent weeks that was made or sponsored by a brand. 
Brand films aren't a new concept, but they're gaining cachet as marketers increasingly seek ways of reaching consumers who are trying to avoid advertising and consumers increasingly seeking out brands that appear to share their values. Gosh, I wish there was a word for that. Um, we will, that article then goes on to discover a number of brands, uh, including, um, you know, 3M and, and they speak to HP um, that goes on and talks about that. What we'll pair it with is another story from the drum. So ostensibly across the pond um, and basically talking about the same thing. And the headline there is why brands like L'Oreal or are creating their own TV shows. And that article opens up by saying L'Oreal is the latest brand to experiment with producing a TV series. But can they convince commercial broadcasters and streaming platforms to air it? L'Oreal has created its own TV show that it hopes by season two may be picked up by the likes of Netflix or Amazon. Uh, Pepsi, AB InBev, and Nike have also been exploring their potential as production companies in recent months. Ambitious marketers have tried similar experiments in the past, but experts say the battle for original content between streaming services might finally mean brands have the chance to make it a success. The article there goes on to talk about L'Oreal's professional products division, who created a seven-episode series called Run La Hair Show, uh, which will predominantly target hairdressers and stylists through the beauty company hopes it will be just as appealing to non-professionals. And it goes on to describe um, their strategy and what they're talking about behind it. Um, what do you, uh, you know, what do you think, Joe? I mean, is are we just now discovering this or is this just a, it's a slow news week. So they're figuring this stuff out or is this becoming, you know, as we talked about in the investor in the creator economy, are we now starting to pierce the veil of mainstream media and have them go, Oh, this is, this is a thing. We, we should be paying attention to it. What do you think? I, when we, when you put together the show flow for this, I've, I saw both articles beforehand too. I was, yeah, you could, you could have put these two articles two years ago or two years before that or two. Of course. It's, it's absolutely. almost like, yeah, it's all. Right. And, and, and I guess both of these articles talk about this is an experiment. Well, how long is 20 years? Is 30 years an experiment? How long is this experiment? Right. I'm just, it's weird. Like they just found this. Oh my God, L'Oreal is doing this. I'm like, yeah, I mean, this has been done for hundreds of years. Why is it always news? Um, I, when I guess the, back to you. When is the or day why going isn't to be it always where this is not news? news? What, right? What, or, or why isn't it always news? You know, I mean, here's the thing. This has been happening, like you said, for 20 years, and you know, it it, it still fascinates me that Ad Week doesn't talk about it, Ad Age doesn't talk about it. You know, when these things hit, it seems like it, it seems like they go out of their way to not talk about this except in cases where some reporter puts five and five together and goes, oh, this would make an interesting angle okay. to a story Let's that break, I could tell. I want to I break this down because this is important. Why, yeah. why do the ad ages and the ad weeks of the world push stories like this away, like they don't exist? Well, there's the conspiracy theory part of me that says, you know, that this is a direct... This is a direct affront to their primary business model constituent, which is the ad agencies and the uh, runners of 30 second spots, you know, sort of paid media spots. And so creating an owned media format that would ostensibly go around advertising, as both articles point out, by the way, is 
something they just don't yeah because this is a this so the the missions of those companies are built on interruption by marketers right that's what you're correct and this if done well which we don't know if it's being done well but if l'oreal and if doordash do this really well over a consistent period of time it is the antithesis to interruption that is correct that is correct. And by the way, I would argue in the most ironic of all ironies, this is this is Theodore Levitt's marketing myopia in action, right? This is this is ad age and ad week and all of the advertising based industry not understanding that they're in the transportation business instead of the buggy business. It's it's it, you know, if you said what is the mission of ad week or ad ad age, I would say it's to further the marketing strategies, marketing and advertising, if you want, strategies of, you know, of companies not to focus on interruptive based advertising, right? That's, that's basically being in the, you know, the buggy whip business, not in the transportation business. Oh, great point. And also a really good example of how a brand can hold you back because they, they are actually ad week and ad age. And they're looking at yeah. one small aspect of marketing. They're becoming smaller every day, by the way, the advertising line. Yeah. And they're focused on yeah. this particular and they, and where you have the the drums and the marketing dives of the world that are taking market share away from those once stellar, the largest brands in the media space and marketing space. Now they're losing market share because of that. So it's just a little a little side note. I um I'm thinking that this is, I mean, sponsor, sponsored sponsored advertising is not the right word either. I mean, that's why, we, of course, we, we espouse to content marketing. I am shocked that even the drum would cover it like this. Like, it's new material. I don't get it. It's, it's a very, yeah, well, it's, you know, I mean... This, this to me, in both articles, basically reeked to me of two, I'm sure, very talented reporters who said, ah, here's three data points that I'm noticing. Um, I, can put, I can make a story out of this, right? I can, I can, I can make a story out of this. And, and basically, both publications going, sure, do that. That's, a, that's an interesting angle. Take that angle, write the story, do the whole thing. And, you know, it, this especially true in the uh, in the CNBC uh, version, sure. because, I, you know, that could have built been built and seems it was built around one of event, which was the New York City DoorDash event. And then it's sort of like, oh, that's a fun thing to cover. Let's cover, you know, CNBC. It's a good summer story. It's a feel good story. We can cover the DoorDash thing, but we need something to beef up the story. What are we going to do to beef up the story? Well, we can go out and we can talk about other examples, right? We can talk about, you know, the fact that, you know, oh, who do we know? Well, we know somebody at NBC Universal, which is their first, by the way, source that they go to. Why? Because CNBC, of course, is part of it. And they can say, who internally knows about this stuff? Ah, great. We'll get a producer from one of the NBC Universal uh, uh, things, and and we'll talk about all the things they're doing. Gosh, that gives me some meat for that story. And then we're going to need some other sources just to sort of round this thing out. So they go, great. And then they basically write the story. It starts with the DoorDash thing. They throw in a couple of other examples that are internal, and then they basically bring it right back around to the DoorDash story, and and I've created a story. Wonderful, except, you know, it's... 
it, it, it's frustrating for those of us in the in the business that that have been focused on this because you look at that and it's as if they've discovered something brand new that is you know sort of yep. you know they've put this together in an innovative way and we're going by the way L'Oreal acquired makeup.com 20 years ago you know by the way 3M has been doing this for you know 10 years right and by the way Every single one of the companies that they mention here have also struggled mightily with this, depending on which regime was in power, which CMO was calling the shots, which VPs were actually politically in power in some of these organizations. Quite frankly, many of these organizations that they mention here, and we know from firsthand experience, are, you know, I'm reminded of of when uh, uh, one... I won't say her name um, because throw her under the bus here, but I will tell you one case study that used to be everywhere. Every single content marketing deck had it as an example of sort of like the quintessential example Mm -hmm. of great content marketing. And she would always say, yeah, I know we're always thrown up as the poster child, but I wish somebody would tell my boss because I'm fighting for my life every single day here. I was, I remember when she talked to us about that, I was floored. That she yeah. had so much trouble selling that program, and we were out there talking about yeah. it like this exactly. is the best ever, right? She's winning awards, doing all this thing, you know. It's it's like you know, and she's trying to uh, ultimately you know make a business case for it every single day. This you know hashtag the struggle is real. Anyway, I, I I think it's I think it's great. I'm glad to see it getting attention. Um, it, you know, and and hopefully it won't be just a a, a one off. Um, like it usually is, you know, by the way, we'll also, uh, link to one other story in the show notes, which is yet another version of this, um, this from Axios. And and again, it seems to be, you know, I guess it comes in threes or something. Um, the Axios this week ran an article that says American Express's departures magazine has now relaunched as a digital property. And the article goes on to say Giant Spoon, a marketing agency known for its work with big brands like HBO and uh, Hewlett Packard, is relaunching American Express's luxury lifestyle magazine Departures as a digital publication for members. And then the Axios uh, article says, why does it matter? Well, ad agencies don't typically act as publishers, although they do often create content for their clients. But given the pressure for brands to connect with audiences online, it makes sense that American Express would shift its publishing operations to an agency with digital experience. Again, yay, I'm glad they covered it, but one, American Express has historically done that, by the way, with all of their content marketing uh, types of initiatives, including Small Business Network, and others do the same thing, outsource their entire operation to either agencies or agencies within publishers or customized, you know, um, companies that, that do this. So that's, it's like saying that that's a, uh, you know, it's like, Oh, I, we've just discovered this thing. Water. We just discovered it's wet. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's so funny because th- I mean, by the way, this is custom publishing. This is the industry that I grew up in and that's what custom right. publishers did. And all the magazines, all the major magazines coming from any big brand around the world generally came at, from a full, full service custom publisher. Now they're called marketing services companies or and not usually ad agencies, but what that's that's not even the story. Content marketing agencies, yeah, you know, exactly. You know, so yeah. I mean this is 
that's funny that they covered it that way. But my issue with this is the same one that we talked about last week with American Airlines losing their way and the opportunity with you know, that print publication. Departures as a print publication is an institution. And again, I'm not saying they're making the wrong decision going online. I will probably put money on the fact that it's not going to work. They're going to put it behind a paywall, digital paywall. I don't know how they're, what are they going to measure it by? They're, are they going to measure it by uh, the, the number of page views that subscribers get to this exclusive place that they can go? If they were going to do it, they should open it up for everyone. But that's you know not my take at all. or no, It's not my place to say. What I would say, double down here with an amazing print experience. Oh, it's exactly the, right. Why? Where do, you just read this something that said it makes sense to go with a digital age yeah because i guess because you're going digital but why go digital what's the reason is, right. are people reading reading the print less are you talking about is because it's you can't make money on it anymore or whatever they have and this is especially for american express because american express has their centurion clubs have you ever been to a centurion club yes oh yeah i love I have. them they're amazing right they're like you know yep. a United Club or American Airlines Club times fifty because they're luxurious and they pamper you. And I love American Express. And if you have a basically an American Express Platinum card, you get in. I get it. I get departures. I, I'm an, I'm a Platinum card holder, and I get departures. And it's an yes, amazing. Print it is an amazing publication. So now they're going. They're stopping it because yeah, they're going is- digital. But they don't. I I guarantee you, nobody made the. I think somebody just said, "Oh, yeah, we're of course we're going to cut the print because nobody does print anymore." I, I, I the whole short sighted use of data is killing me here. Like I want to see yeah. something about they have measured this for the last two years and they found that people were not engaging in the print publication or or it's just it's completely destructive to the environment and we can't live with that anymore. I can deal with that kind of a re- reasoning. I can't I That's can't right. deal with the fact that oh, we're a digital first company, so we should be digital. What? Yep. Yeah. It's 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 frustrating. It's frustrating for sure cuz you're absolutely right. It's not only that it's been handed off to a digital agency for, you know, putting behind a paywall, which I would agree with you wholeheartedly is not probably going to work um i'm certainly not going to go seek it out now i've you know you know one of the things about departures for me was always the surprise and delight of it arriving right you know in other words oh right i completely yeah of course yes wonderful boom i get to sit down with it on a sunday or i sit down with it at breakfast one day and just sort of go through it and it's it's a it's a wonderful thing but it was never something I was sort of sat down on my desk and went, okay, today I'm going to log into departures. And, you know, uh, that's, to me, it's, 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 it's just a different kind of experience. And, and to your point, losing that engagement and the data associated with that is, you know, it the, just seems like a, a bad the, idea. It, it seems like a bad idea. I mean, I understand that Meredith... The original publisher, we go back to the flight airline magazine kind of thing, and Meredith was the publisher, the outsourced, by the way, creator of this. Um, So it's not like they're just discovering outsourcing either with American Express and this agency. They had outsourced it to Meredith before that. And then 
Now Meredith says, nah, we're not going to publish it anymore. There may have been many reasons for that, you know, as part of their acquisition, reorganization. They may have said, you know, it's not the business model's not working sure. for us anymore. So um, American Express goes, oh, okay. Uh, uh, instead of doubling down on it, to your point, they went, uh, let's not make it dub- let's not make it better. Let's make it dead. Well, you know, in fa- to, to here's the thing. Last week's no, thing. to that point. In fairness to American Express, if Time purchased the mag, which this has happened, Time purchased the magazine from American Express. Time was purchased then by Meredith. So, right. in theoretically, if Time owns the rights to the print publication of Departures. Meredith could have made the decision all on their own and didn't get to, didn't need any kind of permission uh, from American Express. That's a fair point. Yep. If that's the truth, then if you're American Express, you purchase the rights back and you're able to publish it. Because that's the thing. We've talked about it forever. Media companies have, they don't need to do this anymore, but they historically only judge a media property by revenue and profits. That's where content marketing comes in, and it's so wonderful because you can judge it by direct profit on the magazine itself or the media property itself. You can judge it by because you're creating better customers. Maybe they spend more. You can judge it by loyalty because maybe they stay longer as customers. You can judge it by cross-selling. I mean, I think we did a little chart in our book, Killing Marketing, that talks about all these things. So that's where the opportunity is for a brand over a media company because you don't have to judge it by just one KPI. Yeah. So that's where Boy, I'm American you. Express. If that whoever, if American Express, somebody knows American Express in their marketing department, go buy the rights back if you don't have the rights, and look. And I bet you you could republish this thing. And by the way, you only need to to break even. They don't make money, as far as I know, from their Centurion Club. But it is a great, no, of course not, yeah. great member benefit. It is a great experience. It's it's yeah. It's why it's one of the major reasons that you pay the five hundred dollars a year that you pay to that's have a platinum exactly card. Right. You know, so yeah. The other thing I'll mention quickly because I we want to move on to our last story here. But the the if you're not American Express, <laughs> it uh, you know what I would love to see is somebody like uh, SoFi or one of these fintech companies that are starting to really get into this luxury market. Maybe it's even Goldman Sachs or somebody like a classic company. Go go go! You go acquire the rights. You go get it, right? You know, there's no reason that they shouldn't start doing it either, right? By that whole, by that whole thing. That's a great idea. I love your pick of SoFi too, because SoFi has a lot of money behind them, and they're looking. Oh to yeah, take they've got share quickly, they've got, and this would be a great way. Again, there's so much. It's so difficult today and challenging, and it takes so much time to build an audience online. You can, you yeah. can, you can. Break through These all media the clutter. brands are right there. Break through yeah. all the clutter with a print publication today, and people thinks it, think thinks it's old school. But the data says the opposite. The data says it works. Talk to any print publisher out there right now; they will tell you. Blah. Get off my lawn. <laughs> blah, blah. Blah. All right. Uh, our last story we're going to cover very quickly here um, is uh, something that's also very interesting. It sort of segues nicely. The whole show is segued very nicely here. Um, this comes to us courtesy of an, a publication called Finbold, which I was not uh, familiar with until you sent this story over, Joe. And, and I'm now fascinated with this uh, publication. But anyway, the article 
is U.S. podcast revenue expected to surpass $1 billion in 2021, news most lucrative genre. Uh, The article opens up by saying, the podcasting world has recorded significant growth in recent months with more consumers showing interest in different genres. The growth is now reflecting on the revenue side as more advertisers aim to capitalize on the sector. Data acquired by Finbold indicates that the United States podcast advertising revenue is projected to surpass the $1 billion mark for the first time in 2021 to hit $1.34 billion. The figure represents a growth of 59% from the $842 million revenue recorded last year. Uh, they go on to uh, provide quite a bit of information from different sources, namely PwC and the IAB for podcast revenue. Um, And then they go on to explain a little bit of the future of podcasts. Good article, I thought, and very interesting uh, data statistics. What uh, what say you? We are certainly not we're seeing some very small <laughs> elements of that, but not we're not making a billion dollars. Well, I yet. think I think a lot of that money is going to uh, a lot of the podcasts that actually get listeners yes the, very the ones top that heavy. get yeah, the ones yeah. That get listeners, <laughs> right yeah. those are the ones that generally yeah. get the advertising support so i think that's fair enough that's, i guess that's a good well, point. here here again i think we finally hit whatever that point was where you've got the majority of people with smartphones that have their app that they prefer to get podcasts on and they listen to all you have to do is start listening to one podcast and then you get oh i'm gonna get another one another one and now you're a podcast listener and the more and more that happens, right. you're, we're still in the first couple innings of this thing happening. This is going to get very, very big. It, it seems like everyone, every celebrity, the easiest thing, the lowest hanging fruit that you could launch is a podcast. You basically need no money to get to start a podcast. It's just time. So there's a lot of clutter out there. And there's a lot of really horrible podcasts. That said... That's where you're seeing advertising revenue go because you not only have the fact that you have the numbers now and people are listening to podcasts, you've got chief marketing officers or VPs of marketing. It's sort of the sexy thing to do right now is to sponsor a podcast. You have, what did we uh, talk about a couple weeks ago? HubSpot launched their podcast network. You're starting right. to get bigger, yep. bigger brands involved in this. So you've, you've just seen the start. This is it's a really good area to be in from a coverage standpoint if you want to advertise there's plenty of wonderful places to advertise um it's great for creators but man yeah. it is very competitive to to it break it feels through. like this is a space yeah it feels like this is a space where if it's really you know if it's really going to evolve in a better way than television and radio advertising uh evolved because right now it is still anybody's guess you know in terms of you know the the best people in the world doing research on this i i would say is edison research sure. you know, what tom webster's crew is doing um and providing for the most listened shows the you know ratings as it were um and some of this but it's still a you know it, that's as good as you know it's a sampling right it's a sampling and and and, and it's not really any more sophisticated i mean it, I, I don't mean to deprecate anything that um 
that Edison is doing here because it is survey based, but it's still survey based, right? In terms of which podcast do you listen to, which, you know, et cetera, et cetera, which is classic way that Nielsen ratings did TV ratings and, and all of that for, um, for television shows and MRI in the past did radio and, and, and all of that. So I wonder if there's something that is going to evolve here, if there's a way to evolve this in a way that starts to, you know, because there's so many different ways to listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify or Apple or Google Play or, you know, all these different places Amazon, where you can yeah. get your, you know, Amazon, you know, so YouTube, you know, uh, all these different ways to get it. If there's just any way to, you know, it seems like a very intractable problem. And it's, it's one boy, if somebody figures out how to solve this is going to be is going to be big because if this is a you know again coming back to if this is a real thing if this economy is podcasting and sponsorship is a real thing then it's there's there's an opportunity here to solve a very very big problem here which is measurement well and i, I think that if you're going to have somebody do it i think it's going to be spotify because this is spotify's business and they are they are already they've i mean how many uh times did we cover spotify outside of joe rogan but they are doing deals to get exclusive content and spot if you're on the Spotify platform, they open up a new suite of measurement tools that you're that are not available through other, you know, hosting services that you have. So, I I, I think Spotify. Yeah, but the problem with that is is that's that's the yeah that's the the the, pro- the challenge with that is is that that is of course the you know the store manager managing the you know the sales right you know in other words you're 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 the the level of trust that you have to have in the actual company that you're placing the advertising by with is the same one telling you how much you you know you got and it's a hard it's just a hard thing to it's a hard thing to swallow right that that need for a third party to come in and provide you know i mean this is gets you know i mean you've dealt with this in your past with magazine auditing and 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 all the rest of it how do you get really accurate numbers of of audience it's it's a it's just a difficult thing to do. It's a difficult thing for us to do, even as owned media, much less you know something that we're paying for the you know the ability to get in front of. It's well, it's, you can, it's a but tough yeah, thing. I mean, we have proprietary data. Like we can say that we know how many people listen to it on a smartphone device, how many people listen to it on Spotify. Generally, doesn't include YouTube. We have to get those numbers separately, and you know. The 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 li- th- theoretically, if somebody listens to it on their desktop, we should get that ping too. So, the, but the thing is, is that nobody else from the outside can get that information. That's what you're talking about. Like you can't. Right. You, we've you've had the you know you've had some some emails this week because you're trying to figure out. Certain, you know, I want to I want to know this data for this industry, and I want to know who are the are the media companies in that area. You, you have to take their word for it. You absolutely we, do. Here's a yes. Thank you for that. I'm going to put out a plea to all of you, right? To all of our tens of listeners out there. Um, if anybody knows, because and if and if not, I, this is a huge business opportunity. I I would love there to be a system where I can go in and configure. Let's say I want you know uh, VPs of marketing at Fortune 500 companies at you know, basically attribute, 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 attribute to define my audience. And then I hit submit. And what I get back is a list of the most targeted 
and maybe sorted by popular, magazines, websites, email newsletters, etc. Basically a media planner's dream, right? Where instead of looking at it from the other way around, which is always like look at the most popular websites and then, you know, individually try and figure out which ones have your target audience. I want it the other way around. I want to have my start with my target audience and work out to the 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 most popular magazines and list. And I understand that that is a data you know, mountain um, of of information to maintain, you know, and keep track of and make current. But I just I have not found any solution out there that does that. By the way, not not you know that's not like a custom you know because I know there are companies out there that do this right. I know that there are companies that you can pay a lot of money to, and they will go out and 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 uh, ultimately you know do a custom research project for you on you know nielsen and comscore and all you know srds and all of that uh, no i want a tool i want a i want a small and medium sized business tool for us to manage our omni channel media plan that's that's what i'm looking for yeah and so. i and i mentioned when you were asking i thought srds canter's XR, srds would be the service and that is a yeah, service. They, i mean they're, they're yeah, it is a, a right. It is a service, service that would that, give you some of the data. That's right, and it's and it's very similar as I understand it. I mean, please, someone correct me if I'm wrong, but but I, the way I understand it is, you know, I, I go out and hire them as I would Nielsen, and I pay my two hundred thousand dollars a year subscription to them, you know, because I'm a huge ad agency and I can monetize that over the course of a of a year of different clients, and I get access to people who can run custom reports for me. That's not what I'm looking for. I'm I looking thought you for should still do a lot of self-service with that. But I could be wrong because it's been a long time since yeah, you said I, maybe maybe but it, it, so then I'll then I'll blame their marketing, right? Because it's their websites are all so opaque that I you know, I can't, you know, you know, we help the paradigm changing solutions of paradigm shifting industry changes with audience changing measurement changes and the paradigm programmatic changing shifting of the synergies between agencies and consumer. You know, it's like, uh, Robert, just tell that, me what see, I want to know. You're just behind the time. That's the thing. The great subscriptions today, don't, you really don't know what you're going to get. It's like that exactly. loot crate box. They're going to send you stuff. It's going to be great, but you don't know what it is. <laughs> It's like the loot. You want the loot That's crate so true. of media buy. That is so true. That is so true. I do not want. That's what is offered to me. <laughs> you is want the loot crate of media buying. buying. I, that is that is such an awesome way to say it. That is exactly what you get these days. You go pay your money, and every every Thursday a black box shows up on your doorstep, and you open up and go, ooh, buyers of you know collectibles yeah. i've never Ooh. thought about that market trends maybe in, we should target yeah. that market Ooh. yeah great. exactly yeah. trends in nfts Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh god all right ladies and gentlemen we need to move on here to our rants and rave section which is of course the uh part of the show where joe and i go off on a little bit of a rant or a little bit of a rave over something that makes us feel like well i'm not even going near the john mcafee jokes i mean that was just yeah you know, i didn't that even was just crazy yeah yeah, it's, it's just, just it's just it's just insane. Just go read about that guy for us. Um, it's just it's insane. And of course, he was he passed away this week. Um, probably, yeah, I'm not yeah, even going there. Anyway, uh, <laughs> <laughs> move along. Uh, I have a very short rant. Uh, what about you? Do you yeah, want to go? First? I got a really quick go commentary. Okay. It's actually very uh, okay. similar to what we've been talking about. And and I guess I get in these ruts where I 
get focused on print media and I just see these huge opportunities. Kind of like you just mentioned, this huge business opportunity. I think the opportunity is pr- in print is better than it's been in 20 years. And there's a story here from the New York Post, of all places, that says Drew Barrymore is launching her own magazine. I don't want to focus on it necessarily because I think Drew Barrymore should have her own magazine, but I think you're going to see these things happen. Um, There is, and especially with celebrities and companies that have already that already have an audience, that already have a customer base, that already have a group of people that would gladly pay a little bit extra. Like I think Drew's is going to be a quarterly publication or something like that. It's going to be on all the stuff that Drew likes. And if fans of Drew Barrymore are probably going to easily pay, you know, nine ninety nine a year for something like this, and not that it has to be revenue generating. Uh, if you're a company, you could measure it a bunch of different ways. But I really believe that right now is an, is an amazing opportunity to look at print. If you're not looking at it, I think that you are missing it. Uh, Samir Husni, friend of friend of ours, friends of the friend of the show, says in this article, this genre of magazines is pr- is proving to be what the doctor ordered during this pandemic and beyond. I expect to see more partnerships like this. Basically, Drew's partnering with a media company to do this. In the future, service journalism is a must. The celebrity is the icing on the cake. Uh, don't be surprised if in the next 12 months you see Twitch streamers, YouTubers do really crazy things like launch a print magazine. So I just think is this is this is <laughs> right, almost just exactly. a foreshadowing of, of what's to come in the very near future. And it's simply be- – and by the way, I love a print experience. I love the lean back – experience of print versus the lean forward that you're looking for on a, on a website or a Google search. But wow, the no competition thing just hits you right in the face and says, well, I can, I can get the attention of somebody that nobody else in my competitive set can. That's what this is doing. So there you go. Yep. Very cool. That's a very, very cool, uh, uh, idea. The whole, you know, I, I just I, what I had running through my head is what you were talking was sort of the you know the the Logan Paul <laughs> magazine. Yes, I mean, you know, yeah, the, right. I mean, yeah, you're going to you know see I mean? the you're, Joe Rogan, right? The magazine. Just, yeah, I mean, we've we've done we go in uh, you know fits and starts with this. So this is this has happened before, but the timing has never been better from the fact that you you they already have these audiences built online, and then just to get a mailing address and a you know. A, a very small payment ongoing is not the you only what do you you get one two percent three percent conversion on those things and it's a lot of money and it's a yeah, great touch point that's exactly right so there you go yeah uh, mine is a very quick rant, um, and it's basically just uh, so. Uh, did you see the whole press conference with Ronaldo? I read some of the stuff. I didn't, went I didn't watch the meme. press conference, but I've seen the stories. Yeah, yeah it's a, it, basically the the meme that if, if you haven't seen it, folks, is that Ronaldo, the the very very famous, very very rich um, soccer player or football player, um, it basically at a press conference sits down. And the, one of the main sponsors, of course, is Coca-Cola. There are two bottles of Coca-Cola sitting on the table. He looks at them with disdain, moves the bottle of Coke, and then sort of shows a bottle of water in some sort of uh, 
thing, right? Where and and basically the meme that's going around, and this is my little rant, is there's this meme going around on social media, mostly on LinkedIn. I've seen it like four or five times now from people saying, you know, the power of an influencer, you know, to to shake down Coca-Cola for four billion dollars of value with one small move, you know, and it's 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 always said with, you know, sort of, you know, breathless and, you know, sort of, oh, my goodness gracious, you know, here's brand value being destroyed by someone, you know, usually in the sense of, you know, basically, I don't know, throwing Coca-Cola under the bus of some of some way. And I just I just just stop, stop with that nonsense. It's just nonsense um, that uh, that he had that he basically destroyed four billion dollars worth of value of Coca-Cola. It's just not true. It's first of all, it's not true. Technically, it's not true because the the dip that the stock took that day happened before he actually did the press conference, uh, you know. And so, and and second, it was already due for a dip um, because it was meeting resistance as, as it started to go up. And you know, Coca Cola has had a bit of a challenge with profitability and has had some challenge with um, you know, you know, their, while their revenue is up, they're not they're not doing great. Um, from a from a profitability standpoint, due to the pandemic and issues and all sorts of things that you know are bigger than we're going to talk about here, the point being, even if it did, let's just say for a moment that it did destroy four billion dollars of value. Let's just put that into perspective for a second, because at two hundred and forty ish billion dollars of market cap right now, where Coca Cola sits. That would be the equivalent of, let's say you were worth uh, $100,000, right? So if you had something that was worth $100,000, it would be the, you know, 1600 bucks came off of your, you know, basically uh, off of your bottom line. It's like, it's just, first of all, a speck in the day-to-day fluctuation of what's actually going on is one point something percent um, of the uh, of the actual stock price um, that day, or or you know the valuation that day. Um, and, but it didn't. That's the more important point. And just passing that on is just is, is just a silly thing because it just it just reminds me so much of where we get lost in this whole idea of how you know how much power some of these influencers really have and what goes viral on social media and how that equates to business results are often conflated way 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 too much so that's my that's my rant. first of all that's lazy journalism to make those kinds yeah. of comparisons well it's not even journalism it's like it's people like you know i mean there are some there were some sadly news outlets that covered this as well cuz it's a sexy clickbaity headline but but yeah it's mostly it's mostly like marketing people, but spending. You know, you know what? I, I listened to uh, Nathaniel Whitt- Whittemore, NLW. He's got that uh, crypto podcast I listened to, and he had Lynn Alden on, and she's a uh, analyst in the industry, and, and they were talking about narrative and the importance of narrative, and, or the the not important parts of narrative. And they they were saying basically we give always give too much credence and too much power to the narrative when many times market forces are so much stronger and what's really yeah. happening underneath. So we do this as, as humanity. We think that, oh my God, uh, the, you know, China, China bans crypto, what's, you know, what's going to do? Is that going to kill everything? Everybody sells off. And then you realize that, oh, well, it really isn't that big of a deal. And what's the underlying fundamentals with it? It's the same thing in this case. Does it really do anything? Does it really affect sales? No, it doesn't. 
It doesn't. It's it's a non-issue. That's right. But we have to cover it because we right. think, oh my god, the story has changed. This is going to be a thing. It usually isn't. That's right. Right. The the last thing I, my my that and that's exactly my point, which is. In marketing, we want to be taken seriously. We want to be taken seriously at the C-suite. We want to be taken seriously in terms of our impact on the business. And we want to be taken seriously as storytellers and as narrative creators when we actually do positively impact the business. So let's not overblow and and uh, on the other side. Let's, you know, and, and so... You know what I mean? Let's let's be careful about where we take credit because then we have to accept credit on the other side too. So it's 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 just sort of getting real about our impact and where we can have impact and where it, we don't want to conflate things because quite frankly, putting the fear of God into our CEO or our CMO about something like what Ronaldo did is exactly the wrong thing for us to do because when we start training them to think that way, our leaders to think that way, that's when they start saying stuff like, well, let's not take any chances at all. And so, you know, that it, it, it's in our own best interest to not say the sky is falling when the sky is definitely not falling. That's a good point. It's like, it's, it's like attribution. Yeah. Actually, we always, we always yeah, say, oh, that's right. we yeah. did this thing and it was because of this that we got all this business. And that's never the case. It's always multiple things. It's never just one thing. That's right. There you go. That's right. How about you? Where are you? Uh, what are you doing uh, this week? I got some family things that were, were uh, got planned. So that should be interesting. And on Sunday, I'm taking my youngest down to the University of Kentucky for orientation. So that will be... Wow, a wonderfully boring drive. No, it's, it's not the it's not the <laughs> most exciting five and a half hour, six hour drive. But I'm very excited to get him down there. He's looking forward to it. So start our collegiate oh, that's journey. Fantastic. So there you go. How about you? That's birthday that's birthday wonderful. celebrations um, next week. So birthday celebration. Yeah, it's a very minor thing on Monday, which is my actual birthday. But then. More importantly, um, getting ready for the long weekend, which I can definitely use as we have been, we have been, you know, wheels up, as they say, for the last, you know, cu- couple of months here. So it's, it's, it'll be nice to step away from the screen awesome. for a bit. So yeah, that's what we got. And then of course, next week we're back here. So, you know, there you go. <laughs> that's it. You know, there, you go. Uh, there you go. So that's it. We're signing off. If you want to get all the goodness, by the way, of this podcast, show notes, all those links that we talked about, which you can use to educate yourself or dive into any of the other 276 episodes, just head on over to our wonderful website, won't you? This old site. We want to thank the good folks at Radix for powering our .site domain. And if you want your own .site domain, get on over to Radix and get yourself a .site domain. It's fun. Uh, and until we meet again, remember, folks, It is your story to tell. Tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.